Welcome to the Hoosier Ag Today morning podcast. It's Thursday, the 9th of March, 2023. I'm Andy Eubank, and coming up today, Eric Pfeiffer and C.J. Miller are on the ground in Orlando, where Commodity Classic is underway. Eric has updates this morning from there and on the Indiana Senate Bill 451 with Indiana Farm Bureau. Chief Meteorologist Ryan Martin has more cold and some precipitation in the forecast. And the corn and bean markets were mixed yesterday after USDA's report. Inside that report with analyst Tom Fritz coming up on the Hoosier Ag Today morning podcast. Brought to you by First Farmers Bank and Trust. Proudly serving local farms, families, and agribusiness for over 135 years. FFBT.com to learn more. The land of the free is also the home of the hardworking. What if this is the year you take your farm operation to the next level? At First Farmers Bank and Trust, we're proud to serve the people who not only work until the sun goes down, but until the job is done. With over 135 years of commitment to agriculture, we'll find the solution that's right for your operation today and tomorrow. Visit ffbt.com to learn more. First Farmers Bank and Trust, member FDIC. From Commodity Classic in Orlando, I'm Eric Pfeiffer, and this is Hoosier Ag Today. The Commodity Classic will begin in earnest today here in Orlando, where yesterday we saw sunny skies and temperatures in the mid-80s. Our coverage from Commodity Classic is brought to you by the Indiana Soybean Alliance and Indiana Corn Marketing Council. Your Indiana corn and soybean checkoff investments yesterday are paying off today. New research, new uses, demand creation, bringing dollars back to the farm. Check it out at yourcheckoff.org and by Seed Genetics Direct. You can learn more at seedgeneticsdirect.com. I had the opportunity yesterday to sneak onto the trade show floor a day early to catch up with Todd Jeffries with Seed Genetics Direct. They're the only independent seed company here at the Commodity Classic. It's important to us because we want to support our customers as well as the National Corn Growers Association, Indiana Corn Growers. We're starting to get more and more entries into the contest and while we haven't had anybody play state or nationally quite yet, we've had a number of entries incredibly close. We're going to be placing here very soon. Jeffrey says most farmers have their seed purchased at this point, but they're hoping to find some farmers here who might want to give them a try on a few acres. We have genetics that work that compete with anybody else on the market. Just the other day, I had a customer in north central Indiana, well prospect, but soon to be customer, see us in Hoosier Act today as well as Farm World that gave us a call and he wants to give us a try. I think more and more customers and farmers and growers in general are uh, looking at dealing with family independent companies. Seed Genetics Direct is nearly set for planting season. Jeffrey says they have a lot of seed already on the farm. I think we're about 70% shipped by the end of this week. I have talked to a competing seedsman and he doesn't have a single bag to any of his customers and he sells a significant amount. We'll have much more coming from the Commodity Classic here in Orlando. Let's shift things back to Indiana now where the legislative session at the Indiana State House reached the halfway point last week. Bills that passed the House now move to the Senate and vice versa. Indiana Farm Bureau has been following many pieces of legislation throughout the process, including one that just won't seem to go away. We're still working to defeat Senate Bill 451, which is the carbon sequestration pilot bill. So that moved from the Senate, will go now to the House. And that's Jeff Cummins, Director of State Government Relations for Indiana Farm Bureau. We've discussed this issue a number of times before on Hoosier Ag Today. A very similar bill was defeated 
last year with the help of Indiana Farm Bureau and its members. Cummins says this is a landowner's rights issue, where a West Terre Haute company wants to manufacture hydrogen and ammonia and use your subsurface property to store the carbon. Wabash Valley Resources over in West Terre Haute merely has to make each landowner a $250 one-time payment per acre to store their CO2 in that uh, landowner's pore space in the subsurface. And if the landowner doesn't like that, they have to seek mediation or file a lawsuit. Those provisions then result in the price being lower, we think, because it'll be tied to the storage of natural gas. Cummins reminds us this same story played out a year ago when that bill passed the Senate. He's hoping for the same happy ending this time around where it once again gets struck down in the House. He says that's the part where you come in. We need all hands on deck. We'll be doing an action alert. So for your listeners who are members and get those, watch their inboxes for an action alert. And, and of course, we'd love them to come to the State House if they can make the time to really help us make the case to particularly members of the House now, uh, why this bill is bad public policy. Senate Bill 451 has been referred to the House Committee on Environmental Affairs. You can hear much more on this bill and others being monitored by Indiana Farm Bureau in my full interview with Cummins at HoosierAgToday.com. From Orlando and the Commodity Classic, I'm Eric Pfeiffer, Hoosier Ag Today, Indiana's Farm Network. Your operating loan for your farm needs to cover all that could be. That's why Farm Credit Mid-America offers flexible financing options to take care of the day-to-day so you can free up capital to maximize opportunities for your farm. Use our online banking or mobile app to conveniently check funds so you always know how much cash you have on hand and can plan for what's ahead. To find an operating loan that works for you, visit e-farmcredit.com. Subject to credit approval, additional terms and conditions may apply. Farm Credit Mid-America is an equal opportunity lender. The High Ground Podcast. Everything from energy and fuel. And it's always like clean oil because most of my stuff leaks. (laughs) To agriculture. We go from the cute and cuddly phase to the not so cute and cuddly phase. You can cuddle with them at 290 pounds. (laughs) (laughs) It's probably against your will, I'm guessing. And, well, other things. He calls them all variable costs. That's bull. (laughs) I think you meant to say that's fertilizer, right? Staying on topic. Listen now on all platforms. I'm Chief Meteorologist Ryan Martin with Hoosier Ag Today's Indiana Farm Forecast. Today, kind of a transition day overall. It's our last fully dry day. We're starting with sunshine, and it looks like it's going to be a nice day. However, to our west, there is a significant frontal complex brewing over Iowa, Missouri, Minnesota, and it's going to push eastward into Illinois. That system is going to cause clouds to increase here later this afternoon into this evening, and moisture pushes in after sunset, and it starts as rain, cold rain, and maybe some wet snow flakes. But as we move through the overnight, a better chance of this precipitation turning all the way over to sloppy wet snowflake action in northern Indiana. I am not calling for accumulations, but it's going to be a cold wintry mess i think as we get started on friday morning the light snow in the north and the rain in the south may continue through midday before everything kind of winds down once again i am not calling for accumulations here i think we're right on the edge of what can be rain and snow but i do have to talk about a mix right now the big story in my mind is what comes in behind this system this front ushers in a much colder outlook for the eastern united states 
cold Canadian air coming right out of the prairies down across the Great Lakes and the eastern Corn Belt. We are below normal on temperatures for Friday afternoon, for the weekend, and for almost all of next week. Minor system for Indiana as we hit Sunday. A strong area of shower and thunderstorm activity looking to move across the Tennessee Valley in the deep south, but a northern leg of that kind of comes through Indiana, so keep an eye out for lots of clouds and maybe the odd flurry or two, particularly southern Indiana. We follow that up with a mostly dry but clouds and some sunshine based forecast for Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday. Later in the week, Thursday, Friday, there is a system coming together from the west. Low pressure comes across southern Illinois and will move into Indiana, likely bringing us a good round of rain and snow yet again. We have a, have a mix right now, but I can see both types of precipitation. As this cold air mass tries to leave, it may take solidly into the week of the 20th, though, for that air mass to really break down and get ourselves back to above normal levels. That's a look at your forecast update. I'm meteorologist Ryan Martin. Mostly lower, but a slight bump in soybean futures on Wednesday. This is Hoosier Ag Today's Wednesday Farm Market Review. I'm Andy Eubank, and the review is brought to you by Seed Genetics Direct, the only independent seed company at Commodity Classic this week. Call them for upfront corn, soybean, wheat, alfalfa, and herbicide pricing. It was a USDA report. Tom Fritz joined us at the end of trade for some analysis about what numbers stood out from USDA. Well, in the case of corn, the trade was looking for a uh, 38 million bushel increase in the carryout. And the USDA said, no, we're going to uh, slash exports by 75 million bushels. And that's going to be the increase in the carryout. It's very, very difficult to deal with that. And, you know, a lot of folks are saying, well, what about, you know, the shortfall out of Argentina? Okay, Argentina, the USDA cut Argentine corn by 7 million tons. You would think, okay, that's going to give us some business. But if you look at total South American, when I say South American, when you look at total uh, Brazil and uh, Argentine corn production, we're only down 500,000 tons from last year. So, and the USDA is saying whatever shortfall there's going to be from Argentina, we're not going to get any of that business. And so, you know, I'm like, okay, who's going to get that business? And if you go look at Brazil, Brazil's not going to get the business. They slashed demand on a global basis. So, you know, when you cut demand by, uh, what is it, uh, 5.6 million tons, it's like, where are you going to go? Where's the demand rally? It's not here. So, you know, that's, uh, you know, so I think that was a little bit of insult on injury uh, in the corn market. Uh, wheat, you know, okay, you look at the numbers, uh, we got an unchanged carryout. The trade was looking for a slight increase. Uh, they were looking for uh, what, uh, uh, what was it? Uh, they were looking for a uh, basically unchanged world ending stocks and uh, USDA cut them by uh, 2.14 million tons. So, on the surface, that's friendly. Well, here's the situation. With the exception of Argentina, every major wheat exporter has old crop wheat for sale. And now, you know, you're adding, uh, uh, who is it, uh, Australia to the mix with their new crop. So there's just a lot of wheat for sale out there. Everybody is vying for market share. Uh, it reminds me growing up, 
Um, you know, I grew up in a small uh, Chicago suburb, but you know, we had three gas stations, and there used to be gas wars, and everybody kept lowering their price, vying for the same market share, and I think that's what we're seeing in the uh, the wheat sector, uh, and that's why you know we continue to see the liquidation here. Uh, soybeans, okay, they cut uh, the carryout by. What, 10 million uh, bushels more than what the trade was looking for? They were looking for a cut of 5 million bushels, and USDA cut it by 15 million bushels down to 210. That's a relatively tight carryout. But when you look at the demand numbers, it's like, where are we going? Um, Once again, you look at uh, the production out of South America. Last year, between uh, Brazil and Argentina, they grew 173.4 million tons. Well, this year it's 186 million tons. So, you know, it's kind of like, hmm, we're not going to have a problem with supply despite what's happening in Argentina because the USDA is alluding to the idea that Brazil will be able to pick up the slack. So, okay, we get a little bit better export number here. They cut crush a little bit. Uh, So, you know, it's like, okay, we're relatively tight. So, if we ever do see a noticeable increase in demand, you know, beans can do something. Well, so, okay, what's been the driving force for soybeans over the last couple of uh, weeks? It's been soybean meal. Well, USDA didn't change any of our soybean meal numbers. Um, They left exports unchanged. Okay, well, Argentina, they're a major meal exporter. Well, they cut uh, Argentine uh, meal exports by 800,000 tons. They only raised, uh, let's see, no, excuse me, I'll just give you bean numbers. Um, They cut uh, Argentine meal exports by 1.3 million tons. They only raised Brazil by, uh, what is that, Uh, 100,000 tons. They left our meal uh, exports unchanged. So basically, once again, here's a great example. USDA says, okay, we're going to cut demand. So you look at all these markets, with the exception of wheat, we're cutting demand. So when you're cutting demand, it's very difficult to uh, to have a bull market in this regard. And as I mentioned, in the case of wheat, unfortunately, every major exporter, with the exception of Argentina, it's got wheat for sale, and, you know, everybody's buying for market share. So here you have it. Uh, so long story short, uh, the lows we saw in corn, they're, they're in line to be taken out. Uh, we came within, uh, what, two cents, two and a half cents of those lows today. Wheat, that's new low ground. Soybeans, well, they're struggling here a little bit. And what the USDA had to say about the meal market, it's kind of like, Hmm, do we need to rally more than what we've already seen? Tom Fritz at EFG Group in Chicago. Here is how the markets ended trade after that USDA report. May corn six twenty-five and a half, a dip of eight and three quarters. July goes down eight and a half cents, down to six fourteen. Beans up just a bit. May fifteen seventeen and three quarters, two and a quarter higher, well off the highs. July beans fifteen oh six and a quarter. A gain of a penny and a half. May wheat down a dime and a half, six eighty 
57 and a half. The meats mostly higher. April live cattle down 52, 165.45. June though up a dime. April lean hogs 95 cents higher, 85.75. I'm Ian Bank with the Wednesday market review. This is Who's Your Ag today? Timely, relevant, credible.